When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Trey Strelko from the Sons of UCF, joined by Eric Lopez of the Black and Gold Banner. Welcome to Around the Kingdom. Elo, hello to you. Trace, hello. Coming up on the fastest UCF show around the kingdom, we'll talk about UCF basketball's big win over Texas Tech. Does baseball have the best jerseys? And what would you have a, want to have a say in if you, you know, donated six and a half million dollars to a school? Coming up, we'll find all the answers here on this edition of Around the Kingdom. That's walking around money for you, Elo. Uh, before we get going with all of that, let's welcome in Adam Eaton from the Sons of UCF. Third member of this team, keeps an eye on the clock, keeps us on our toes. Adam, hello to you. Gentlemen, hello. Happy leap year, leap week, leap day. I'm not sure how to phrase that, but we thank you all for taking the leap and watching this episode of Around the Kingdom. <laughs> uh, you've been working on that one, haven't you, Adam? <laughs> all right, we'll check back with you in a few. Elo, let's begin with football on this episode of Around the Kingdom. Playoffs. Playoffs in the NCAA college football. How many teams is enough? 12. 14. What do you make of all of the changes? And we haven't even settled into the new format yet. We don't have a new uh, a, a format set, and yet we're adding teams on the fly. And this is all you. Congrats, Trace. You got what you wanted. You know, you and I used to argue about this. You're like, I want more teams in the playoff. I want no exclusivity. Let's get rid of the cards. Well, you got your wish. Now we're going up adding teams by the minute like it was like a Burger King Happy Meal. Uh, I don't know. what This is brutal. Like, when is this going to end? 16, 32 teams? Like, uh, it, this is all just a money grab. It's terrible. Defend yourself here, Trace. Uh, by the way, the cartel still exists, right? There's still a selection committee that will be deciding these things, right? Who makes it where. Uh, I like – the format that allows the higher seeds to host games on the campus. I think part of the problem here is they continue to pigeonhole the bowl games into this. And I love, I mean, are we, can we officially retire uh, the concept of student athlete, at least at the college football level, right? With the uh, pay for play that's going on and look at the number of games these guys are gonna have to play throughout the month of December. When are the final exams happening exactly? Um, you know, week after week of playoffs, they will continue to expand it. You mentioned it right there. It's greed, and we know what it's being driven by Big Ten and SEC. How do you think the Big 12 fares, though, as they continue to expand uh, 
conversation of expanding well, to 14 and beyond that 16 comes next i think the big 12 hopes that going to 14 or 16 helps them get maybe a second or third team from the conference into the tournament whereas right now with 12 if they stay at 12 i'm not sure the big 12 gets more than two uh there's so many issues with this though you mentioned the format the teams that are seated five through eight get to host a, a playoff game the top four get a bye, but they have to play then a neutral site game a month later. I actually think there's an advantage to being a five seed versus a four seed. You don't have as much of a layoff. This thing has got so many flaws. It's a joke. Um, and again, eight, I'm a, I was a proponent of eight. Eight would have kept the regular season relevant, and I think you would have also still had everybody involved. But now everybody wants to get four or five teams, and this is going to turn into an SEC Big Ten invitational trace. I do like the, the schools having the games on the college campuses, but they at 14 would be taking on that NFL model, right? Of some buys yeah. in that mix. And while I'm a proponent of the NFL playoff system, uh, I think I'd like to see the colleges host these games on campus. And I still think a big part of this problem are these bowl games that they are trying to exist. Keep bowl games for those early, uh, you know, matchups in December with the, you know, the military bowl and the Gasparilla bowl and those things for those teams that qualify, but leave them out of the playoff structure. Well, the problem is these bowl games or these playoff games are going to be in January going up against the NFL. Good luck with that uh, on that one. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a playoff game, maybe air on here on these airwaves on the Sons of UCF network. Uh, but a question <laughs> will be UCF. How does this affect UCF with this new format, Trace? Now go to expanded playoffs. Does that mean it's playoff or bust from now on for UCF? I don't think it is that, though I think the moves by head coach Gus Malzahn shaking up his coaching staff a bit, their activity in the transfer portal, the highly recruited, uh, you know, highly touted recruiting class. I do think it has raised expectations. I think a lot of the UCF fan base ex is expecting uh, a championship uh, game appearance for the Knights in the Big 12. And, and that would be a big leap for this Knights team that won six games in its first year in the Big 12. Here's the issue. And I don't think this is just a UCF thing. I think this is a question not that UCF fans are going to be thinking about, but a lot of college football fans are going to be thinking about their respective teams, which is what if my team doesn't make the playoff if it's a 12 or 14 team playoff? Do I really care if they're playing in a bowl game? It's one thing if it was a two-team playoff or a four-team playoff. You knew that, hey, the chances are very low. A bowl game still means a great successful season. Is the bowl getting to a bowl game going to really be a big reward when you were this close to maybe being a top-12 team in the playoff? I, I do wonder if this is a little bit more like the NFL, like you said, where you know, you missed the NFL playoffs. It's a disappointment. I wonder if that's going to be the mentality now moving forward when you think of your college teams and you wonder if UCF fans will think that way about their teams. I think UCF fans will, right? I think some other programs, if they have a great season and just miss out on that cut for the, uh, the postseason and the playoff games, will still be happy depending on the quality of the bowl. But I think it'd be a tough sell other than a local bowl, a Boca Bowl or a bowl in Tampa where fans uh, and alums from across the state can travel easily. Try selling tickets uh, to UCF fans to go to the Birmingham Bowl or, or, or something like that when they've missed the cut in, in, in the playoffs, right? I think the drop-off is tremendous. I agree with you. Uh, how do you sell those 
early December bowl games, mid-December bowl games, uh, when your goal and, and the program, right, for this season, fans expect eight, nine, ten wins. They're already saying it. How are you going to well, sell a military bowl? Well, Trace, we're talking that that's just talking about bowl mm -hmm. games. What if UCF does make a playoff and it's a 12 or 14 playoff? You got to play four extra games. Maybe you're lucky it's one on campus, but as of now, you have to travel for three games. How is, is UCF fan going to really, you know, be able to afford that? I had a buddy of mine this week who's a Michigan fan. He said that he was so he had to make a decision. He didn't go to the Rose Bowl because he couldn't afford it. He couldn't afford going to both the Rose Bowl and the national title game. So he figured, I'm going to skip the Rose Bowl as much as I want to be there, hope they get to the title game, then I'll spend the money to go there. Are fans going to be have to make a decision on what games they get to attend in the postseason trade? That's another issue. For a fan base without deep pockets, it will be a consideration. Probably not a consideration, Elo, for uh, Taylor Gehring, the UCF alum who made the $6.5 million donation, 5.5 of that to athletics, a million to the kingdom. It did make me wonder, and we bantered a little bit about this, what sort of say would you think you'd have if you donated that kind of money? All right, so... I think you would have to have a lot of say. Now, the question is, is where is that particular person spending that six and a half million? Are they picking it a particular sport? Is it a, spreading it around? Right. Like, if, for example, if I put the six and a half million, I know and Adam's rolling my okay, even though he's not in here, he's rolling his eyes right now. Because <laughs> if you've listened to this show now long enough, you know what I'm going to say. Donate it to the softball complex to get that renovated. I would think I would have a say in some of the things. Right. Like six and a half million. If I'm donating to that. Uh, that would be kind of a big say. So I would say, yeah, you, I mean, John Juliano spent a ton of money and he's got a baseball stadium named after him and he never played at UCF. What about personnel decisions? I mean, I think we saw this for head coach Gus Malzahn at Auburn with the oh. deep pocketed boosters, uh, having influence over the athletic department and the athletic director and trying to influence coaching hires and coaching moves. Would you? think that at six and a half million dollars if you uh if you liked a particular coach you'd be whispering in the ear of terry Mahodger, and and conversely if you didn't you might be saying hey it's time for so and so to go but that's college athletics in a nutshell i don't think that's a uh, exclusive here i think you know, people that donate that big time money usually will have a i don't know about a voice heard but they'll definitely be in the room and know what's going on right the ins and outs uh, I think we saw a little bit of that with the UCF baseball search even last year, among other different things in the past. So, yeah, I, and I don't have a problem with that. Look, that's the way it is. Colleges need the money. So a lot of times you're going to have a lot bigger uh, say in things and maybe get more better parking. I mean, a lot of different says on that. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, props to Taylor. We'll be see, you know, to six and a half million. That's a, that's a pretty, pretty big donation. And look, he got an interview, Trace. He got an interview. Eric DeSalvo interviewed him. I've never been interviewed by DeSalvo. You've never been interviewed by DeSalvo. Maybe we can chip in. Maybe we chip in. It's an interview. I I do think though it's funny the the, the sorts of things he seems like a good uh, guy. Sure. You know he comes across well. I I haven't spoken to him before, but I I've been thinking about that power. I mean I'd have to get to the six and a half million dollar donation level, so that's not coming anytime soon. But. Uh, I think I'd bring games, baseball games, back to to the airwaves. I think all those games would be on ESPN Plus, Elo. You know one thing I also will say, <laughs> and I'm I'm curious your thoughts on this. So I'm going to move forward. <laughs> soccer complex, can we get renovations there? Like that is not a great place to watch a soccer game. You and I are big soccer fans. We got two soccer programs that are usually play pretty high level. 
maybe we should renovate it, have a soccer stadium where it doesn't have a track and field around it. That would be my, another place where I would like to see some money donated and have a say on that. If I, if I had that much money, unfortunately, I do not. The, the big problem there is the if I had that much money. Uh, that is the sad, 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 but true. Uh, let's talk some men's hoops. Speaking of finances, UCF men's basketball with a big win over Texas Tech. Double-digit win over the Red Raiders. How that tastes, Red Raider Trace. Uh, actually, that's it. But the Knights do pick up a 75-61 win. They're now 14-12 and on the season, 5-9 and in the Big 12. Trace, your big takeaway from the win for the Knights over the Red Raiders. Yet another top 25 victory for the Knights this season. And for most of us, right, that didn't have high expectations, UCF continues to exceed those expectations. I know they're just five and nine in the league, but really other than that uh, opening game at Kansas State, which was one-sided, they have played to the wire in nearly every game. They have been exciting to watch, if not frustrating at times, but it has been a great atmosphere at home all season. And no matter how they finish and in the, with games against Iowa State and Houston, and you know that those are two top 10 programs, right? Uh, I think this season has exceeded expectations and has been a great season and maybe really the best team that Johnny Dawkins has had as head coach of the Knights. To back your, your theory on that, they have more top 25 wins this year than they did all of 2019 when they made the NCAA tournament. Tells you the difference landscape. Our, the net is in the uh, mid to late high 60s. Um, they're in the position. There's 300 to be, plus schools. That's yeah, still no, pretty good. That's a good year. Listen, I mean, there were people that thought maybe they get two wins, three wins in conference. I think this is a very significant season in this regard, Trace. UCF has brought credibility to themselves because I think a lot of people in the college basketball world are like, oh, they're going to get pushed around in the Big 12. They have held their own. Nobody's making jokes about them. They're not Vanderbilt or Missouri. Missouri's winless in the SEC play, in conference play. They've done well. They went back to the basics against Texas Tech, held Texas Tech under 40% shooting. And quietly, this offense, it's not the prettiest at times, but they're putting the ball in the basket. They shot nearly 50% from the floor. Not back to their identity defensively that they lost for a little bit. Big game in Stillwater. If they can win that, then I think they're in good shape not to finish last, which I think is an accomplishment in a league like the Big 12, which is the best conference in the sport. Agreed. Time to bring back Adam and time for our silly game this week. All right, gentlemen, here's my first question. We were talking about donations, <laughs> Taylor Gearing with a very generous donation, and I do not want to seem ungrateful at all, but I'll start with you, Eric. Here's my question. $6.5 million, 5.5 goes to a building and infrastructure, $1 million to the kingdom. If you could reallocate that money, would you keep the split the same, 5.5 for building and one for NIL, or would you give more money to NIL? It's a great question. The problem is what? how much money is the NIL candidate? You know, I mean, that's a facilities do matter as well from a recruiting standpoint. Maybe that's old school thinking. Uh, you know, I'm not going to question the guy for how he's going to relocate. I, I would probably do it maybe closer to 50-50, but that's me. And again, I want to emphasize it. You, you donate it however you want to donate. I don't think there's a wrong answer. Trace, do you yeah, think donate however you want is still important, or would you put more money into players? Build the lazy river, buy all the best players. It sounds like a sounds like a win-win. All right. Today, uh, gentlemen, Clemson head basketball coach Brad Brownwell said he feels like the Big 12 is quote manipulating 
the net rating by having a weak non-conference schedule and then essentially beating up on those teams and leveraging the the infrastructure of the Big 12 to manipulate their net ranking. He thinks that is wrong and incorrect. Just for context, there are 10 Big 12 teams in the top 50 of the net trace. Do you think there's any credence to the Big 12 manipulating the net ranking? <laughs> Shut up already to this guy. That's nonsense. <laughs> nonsense. It's the best basketball being played. And while I have not, in preparation for this question, not knowing it was coming, studied all of the Big 12 schedules, I, I don't think they have done anything to inflate. They have had tough schedules. What was it? The preseason tournament was uh, – Against the Big East, was that right? Big East, Big Twelve showdown the was that. Gavit games, the Gavit games, Big Twelve, yeah, and they didn't even get to yeah. play the SEC mm. Big Twelve challenge this year. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it, nonsense. That's just uh, spoiled, you know, spoiled grapes right there. I do believe conferences know how to manipulate things like the net, like they did. That's why they brought the net in because a lot of people were saying they were manipulating the RPI. But for an ACC coach, for Brandon Burnell, dude, who are you playing in the non-conference? You lost them. <laughs> get out of here. What's your big nonstop uh, incredible scheduling? Give me a, pl- a break, please, for crying out loud. So, uh, come on. Don't lose. Hey, don't lose to teams like Boston College. That'd be my advice to you. I haven't seen Elo this mad since he talked about weathermen. All right, here's my next question. <laughs> Elo, I will start with you. On this week's Suns UCF podcast, I exclusively released my top five leaps of all time. And one of my top five leaps was the J.J. Wharton catch against Temple in 2013. My esteemed co-host UCF Mike says that that is not a leap that JJ made, more of a dive. So the JJ Wharton catch, do you classify it as more of a leap or as more of a dive? Adam, I think you're making a big leap into thinking that was a leap from JJ Wharton. See what I did there? See, I'm going to sign with Mike. I think that's more of a, yeah, dive than a leap. Trace, leap or dive, what team are you on? I like what you did with the play on words, but I got to agree with UCF Mike. He dove wow. for that catch. He did not leap wow. into it. And you got to leap off the ground to get the dive started. Yeah, isn't that the first movement you have to make? Chicken and egg. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, well, speaking of leap, here's my last question. This week, the NFL Combine starts, which many people call the Underwear Olympics. So, gentlemen, I have four sports, uh, four uh, different uh, uh, exercises slash tests that, that will be happening at the Combine. I want you to tell me which of these tests you think has the most validity in terms of who will be a good football player, okay? So here are your four, Trace. I'll start with you. Bench press broad jump, vertical jump, or the three-cone drill? Which of those four (laughs) drills do you think has the best correlation to who will be a good football player? None of them. Bench press. Bench press. It's all silliness. Bench press. Elo again, bench press, broad jump, vertical jump, three-cone drill. Which one translates (laughs) the most to who's a good football player? First of all, I love the underwear Olympics. Whoever came yes. up with that, brilliant. Yeah. I mean, my goodness. I'm going to go the cones, right? Like you're agile. You got to be, you know, versatility, how quick you can move. I'm going to go with that. But hey, come on. This, we all know this is all much of non- nonsense. All right, well, I, I doubt you'll be watching the combine coverage, which includes a couple of UCF guys, Javon Baker and Taylor Grable, starting this Thursday on NFL Network. All right. Thank you, Adam. Back with you in 10, which means, Elo, we got to start speeding things up a little bit. Let's go back to men's basketball, declaring it right here, right now against that vocal minority, 
that keeps calling for Johnny Dawkins' head. Extend Johnny Dawkins' contract now, Terry Mahodger, right? There's a couple of games left in this season, has what, a year left on his deal? Give him four or five years, up his pay, and allow him to compete with the top teams in the Big 12. And let's see UCF uh, become a legitimate basketball school. Well, you're not going to get an argument for me. Give him, a, give him that for support. Some of the recruits start – we've seen coming into the games, attending the games. Antonio Brown's son was at the game uh, on Saturday. And listen, for those who say, well, you guys make too big deal of the resources, we just taught, we just congratulated a guy for donating $6.5 million to football. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, wow, that's big for football, but then say, well, basketball isn't needed. Uh, you know, let's get a fair deal. But, yeah, I, I think that – who's going to argue with that? Anybody with common sense. Would not argue at this point. I but you know, it is what it is. I mean, we've enjoyed this basketball ride, and I think it is time. Well, I mean, what's the holdup here, right? I mean, he needs an extension in order to bring in the quality of recruits, right? That that he's already uh, talking with well, and, and ink them to deals. And so extend his contract. He's the lowest paid coach, right, in the Big 12 by a mile. Raise his pay, make it competitive. Well, I think it goes both ways, though. What does Johnny want to do? But, you know, does he want to keep? He wants more money. money. <laughs> well, who doesn't? But I think Johnny's got to think about big picture too. What does he want to do? Does he want to continue to coach here? Does he, you know, what if somebody else comes calling? I mean, he's got, you know, he can do a lot of different things. I, especially in this landscape, I've amazed. I've asked Johnny about this new mm -hmm. landscape because I didn't know if how he would handle this landscape with the NIL and the players, I, you know, some of these major college basketball coaches have gotten out of it. Jay Wright has been very outspoken getting out of it just because he didn't want to deal with this stuff. We're seeing that in football. So I do always wonder about coaches. How long do you want to stick with all this chaos that is college athletics 2024? So I don't think it, in fairness, I don't know if it's a one way street that you're referring to. It could be, you know, both sides might be, have things to think about. Fair enough. But I maintain, I say it now, extend Coach Dawkins contract. There you go. You're on the record. You're the man. I'm sure Dolly is thrilled to, to hear you say that. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he'll be quite he'll quite be in full agreement with you. Uh all right. Of course, UCF has had some big top 25 wins. One of them being against Kansas. Where the crowd stormed the court. UCF was fined twenty-five thousand dollars. There was a big incident on Saturday in the Wake Forest Duke game where the Duke star player got run over by some fans. People are now calling to end. Court storming. Trey, should we end court storming in general? <sighs> I'm all I've flip-flopped on this. I have been on the court when it has been stormed and it is a chaotic environment. And I can understand why player safety uh, is of concern. And I'm not surprised that a player was injured. I'm actually surprised it doesn't happen more. I also didn't like what happened during the football season with the orderly procession out for fan day on the field, right? There was no storming of the field uh, during the football season. Uh, if it can be safe now, do I think players should, or, or, or fans that storm the court should be arrested? No, fines don't seem to matter to the students, certainly. It does seem out of control though. Um, if there's a happier medium where it can be safer and a little bit more orderly but i don't know how you do that when you've got thousands of students rushing the court and a couple of security guards are no match for them 
Yeah, I, I'm surprised. I mean, the way to do it is how UCF did it in football, where they made sure that the visiting team and the re- the officials were off the field before the fans stormed the field. Now, you didn't like that, but it saved UCF 25 grand. They got it five wasn't grand. a storming of the field, though. Come on. I didn't. I don't know that any fans complained when they ran into the field. It didn't seem like they, they were still hanging out with the football players. I think that's the way to do it. Uh, I had a buddy of mine tell me that Texas Tech, that's how they do it. Texas Tech makes sure that the visiting team and the officials get off the court. They have the securities. Then the fans storm the court. I don't think that's a bad compromise, Trace. We, are, we, are, we don't want people to be safe. Um, and it is. And I don't think it should be completely eliminated. I do think some of the media is hypocritical because they show the court storming all the time on the highlight. Then they come back and act like, oh, how dare you? But that's... At the same time, I also understand the other side of it. I mean, you went to a play when you were in New York. Did you storm the, the, the theater there after the play was done? I, I did not. By the way, the Big 12 fined UCF for that court storming, but uses the video of that in their right. commercial. Let's see, what, are, what are we doing here? What are we doing? All right, so that we have time to get to baseball and softball. I'm going to go quickly through the prop bets. Uh, Elo, I don't know how you, you pull out some interesting prop bets. Over under 135 UCF Texas Tech total, 136. Uh, you you get the uh, the over for that one. Uh, we had one in baseball as well, didn't we? We had uh, over under 33 runs for the three game series. I took the over 39 for the Knights, so I lead eight to seven. We've got a basketball one Wednesday at Oklahoma State. Over under Darius Johnson steals three and a half. What say you? Darius Johnson has had four steals in three consecutive games. That being said, though, I think it goes, uh, it ends. I think I go under. I think he only gets three. Going to go with the over, and UCF is going to get the win on the road and put distance between them and Oklahoma State in that uh, battle out of last place uh, area in the Big 12. The other one I like that you've come up with is uh, a combination basketball, baseball, softball one. Ibrahima Diallo, C.J. Walker combined blocks versus Jada Cody and Andrew Sundin combined hits for the Saturday games. These are all games on Saturday. I like that. Yeah, I'm going. You you went with the hit, the baseball and the softball. You're going with Cody Sundin to have more hits than uh, Diallo and uh, Walker. I'm going to go with the blocks because I think they need to be dominant against Iowa State in the paint to pull that upset. Uh, real quick in the draft, uh, hey. It, Took a while, but Adam finally on the board just because his games hadn't been played yet. He got that victory UCF over Texas Tech. He had picked that game. He's on the board now with me. You are uh, got a game, your last game, with uh, UCF beating Iowa State at home Saturday. But he, Adam's got one more. Uh, he's got UCF. He's got two more. He's got two State. more games. Got yeah, this week, he's, he's got another one this week. He could I think Adam, Adam's hooked with us. I think he, he was acting, oh, I don't know how this game works, guys. I don't know what you're talking Now he's going to beat both of us. Trace? Uh, hey, I'm rooting for him, right? Uh, let's talk softball. Knights uh, get out of the Mary Nutter Collegiate Classic out in California. Two and four, eight and six overall. They return home. Elo, what'd you like? What didn't you like uh, with softball? Well, one thing, I'll start with the positives. Sonia Halajan pitched a great game against Oregon State. You were there against Georgia State in softball when she got she struggled. She got off to a bad start in the first week of the season. Pitched a great game, got the win against Oregon State. That was a big positive. Caitlin Felton gave him some good innings as well. So I like the positives of some of the pitching performances out west. The negatives, you go two and four. You look at the games against Oregon, Mississippi State. They had bases loaded. Uh, in the seventh inning against Oregon, one out of chance to pull that out, didn't do it. 
didn't get the big hit. Bases loaded. They threatened against Mississippi State. Didn't get through. Had bases loaded the first inning against Tennessee. Did not score. They've got to deliver when they have those opportunities. I remember you asked me in January, what are the concerns when softball going to the Big 12? Don't waste opportunities with runners on base. You can get away with that in the American. You're not going to get away with that in the Big 12, and you certainly didn't get away with that against the quality teams you faced in the top 25. I messaged you that for the first time in a long time, I was disappointed in the softball uh, results out in this classic. And it's because a little bit about brand, right? UCF was in the American. They're facing the SEC, right? They're facing these top programs. And there's a little bit of moral victory in that. You want to be competitive. You want a couple of wins here or there. Hey, but now they're in the Big 12, one of the best leagues in softball, right? And if they aren't going to win these head-to-head battles with top 25 teams, what are they going to do when they are in league play? Are they going to have more 2-1 losses, 4-3 losses? They've had a lot of one-run losses. It doesn't encourage me that when they go toe-to-toe with top 25 teams that they are going to win those games. The good news is they're going to get more opportunities, including this Friday against South Carolina at home. I think that's an important game. And you've got four teams in the top 20 in the Big 12, including the two best teams in the country in Oklahoma and Texas that come here at the complex. The bad news is you got – the top two teams in the country come into your complex this year. They might win the national title. By the way, thanks for texting me while I'm doing a national broadcast. I'm a top. I didn't know. They didn't know. They would not follow my social media. Anyway, I didn't know. I know what you were following was baseball. You were there at the good old John Uniano Park as baseball swept Sanford. They actually got three games in. As we're doing this show, you see a pounded FAU and Boca. All oh, that Olive Garden food delivers again. Over there in Boca Raton, <laughs> thoughts on baseball, Trey's having seen him. A little bit of a different look than we've been used to these uh, number of years under Greg Lovelady, now under Rich Wallace. Uh, they are stringing together hits and, and scoring runs. It's not all dependent upon the home run ball. 39 runs over that three-game series. Again, another big offensive output and a win over FAU. They return home. Hey, a revival of the war on I-4 uh, against uh, our friends from Tampa, South Florida. I still think all of this is too early to say, but you take 6-0 and no matter what coming back home. But, you know, with league play, it comes right around the corner, right? With a 30-game schedule versus the 24 in the American, we're going to find out what these nights are made of soon enough when they are in the Big 12. But so far, they've been interesting to watch, and they've, uh, they've performed well. Yeah, too soon to, to figure out what this means, but – couple things I do like a lot. Love the jerseys, the retro look. Rich Wallace actually wearing the jersey. They look like the when they were in an opening day at the park in 2001. I love the retro look. Got rid of the Kansas City Royal jerseys. Remember those Saturday Royal Blues? Those Citronaut Saturdays. Yeah. Get Christian Simmons on your show. I, I love the jerseys. I think it was fantastic jerseys there, number one. Uh, I think I like the fact they're not depending on the home run. I think that's a good sign. They're not walking hitters, too, as the, from the pitching staff. But again, let's settle down. The competition's not great. It's going to pick up in a couple of weeks when they go to the Big 12. But a salute to Sons of UCF on their website and to Black and Gold Banner. Both have beat writers covering baseball where we can follow them every week. Bravo. Bravo. Hopefully other media outlets can take the notes of that. There you go. Time to bring back in Adam. What do we get right? What do we get wrong, Adam? All right, gentlemen, here we go. Uh, Eric, you may have made perhaps the most egregious error ever on around Whoa. the kingdom. Earlier, Whoa. you said a Burger King Happy Meal. 
everybody knows the Happy Meal <laughs> is McDonald's. It's not Burger King. They're the Whopper. That may be the most egregious mistake ever made, That's but I'll, I'll check back later for you. Uh, you talk about the 14-team playoff. That won't come until at least 2026, so there's still some time to get that ironed out. John Juliano Park, according to records, paid $1.5 million in donations to get a, a ballpark named after Milo. So I feel like maybe one, two gets you Eric Lopez softball complex. So let's keep our eyes on the prize there. UCF in the net ranking or our traditional week update here, 69 in the net ranking, which would have them nice. just outside of that, uh, that uh, pesky NCAA tournament, the three cone drill. Six seconds is the record. Jordan Phillips, a cornerback, from Cleveland and Philadelphia, 6.28 seconds on the three-cone drill. I challenge anybody to figure that out. Kyle Filipowski, Eric, was the Duke player who was, uh, quote-unquote, injured in the court storm. There's some controversy, though. The video shows a couple of forearms, and there's some uh, there's some talk about whether or not he, uh, he welcomed that contact. More to come on that. And lastly, a fun fact, 908 locations of Olive Garden in the uh, in the world so 908 olive gardens so it looks like 907 to go for ucf baseball let's see if they can hit any more on these big 12 road trips thank you adam one more thing before we go elo tryouts to be the next nitro coming april 6th the benefits listed include scholarship opportunities priority class registration travel uh free gear and the pride that comes with representing ucf at athletic and academic events you when i own money involved could be nitro i didn't see and i i saw scholarship opportunities look for new episodes midweek every week on the sons of ucf youtube channel and it also drops wherever you get your downloadable audio content thank you adam thank you eric lopez i'm trace trollco thank you everyone for watching this week's around the kingdom Podcast Network.